Let us turn our Bibles to the book of John chapter 15 and verse number 16. John chapter 15 and verse number 16 where the Bible says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. I'm speaking in this service on what I've captioned bearing fruits. Bearing fruits. The meaning is God expects the believer to be fruitful. And to be fruitful means a number of things. Number one, it means to be abundant, abounding, and blossoming. To be abundant, abounding, and blossoming. In Isaiah 27 and verse number 6. Isaiah 27 and verse number 6. The Bible says, those who come, he shall cause to take root in Jacob. Israel shall blossom and bud. Israel shall blossom and bud and fill the face of the world with fruit. May that be your portion in the name of Jesus Christ. And may that be the portion of this church in the name of Jesus Christ. To be fruitful, secondly, means to flourish and to become plenteous. To flourish and to become plenteous. Like was the testimony of the children of Israel in the land of Egypt. They were 75 in number when they entered the land of Egypt. But the Bible says in Exodus chapter 1 and verse number 7. Exodus chapter 1. And verse number 7, it says, But the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly, multiplied, and grew exceedingly mighty, and the land was filled with them. Now, this looks like somebody's testimony, and you're one of them in the name of Jesus Christ. Good people, I'm talking to you. Can I hear a louder shout of amen? Beginning this hour, May you flourish in all the works of your hands. May you become plenteous in all your endeavors. In the name of Jesus Christ. Moses spoke to the children of Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 1 and verse number 10. Still talking about plenteousness. He said, the Lord your God has multiplied you. And here you are today as the stars of heaven in multitude. Somebody shout hallelujah. Lift your right hand. I decree this hour every yoke of barrenness anywhere in your life is destroyed in the name of Jesus Christ. I said barrenness is dismantled in the name of Jesus. If that is you, can I hear you louder shout of amen? What is to be fruitful? To be fruitful means to produce a lot. 
to produce a lot. To produce a lot. So what we are saying is that God wants us to produce a lot. He wants us to bear fruits. Throughout history, God's will and purpose for mankind has not changed. It has always been fruitfulness. His vision for us is fruitfulness. I want you to say this with me. God's vision and purpose for my life is fruitfulness. How do we know this? We have scripture examples. Number one, he blessed both male and female for fruitfulness. He blessed both male and female for fruitfulness. He blessed both male and female for fruitfulness. In Genesis chapter 1, verses 27 to 28, the Bible says he created them male and female. And in verse 28, the Bible says, and God blessed them. And God said unto them, to both male and female, be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. May that be your portion in the name of Jesus Christ. We also know that God's will and vision for us is fruitfulness because he called Abraham our father into fruitfulness. He called Abraham our father into fruitfulness. I mean, the believer is the seed of Abraham. I'm sure you know that. It's common knowledge. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 27. Galatians chapter 3 and verse number 27. Are you giving me the verse quickly, please? For as many of you... My God, verse 29, sorry. 29, give me 29. He said, and if you are Christ, that is, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. How many of us belong to Christ? Now, everyone who belongs to Christ is the seed of Abraham. That is, you carry the genes, the DNA of Abraham. That means you must look like Abraham in blessing, success, fruitfulness, and prosperity. Somebody shout hallelujah. I said somebody shout hallelujah. God speaking to Abraham in Genesis chapter 17, verses 4 to 6. He said in Genesis 17, verses 4 to 6. As for me, behold, my covenant is with you. And you shall be a father of many nations. Verse number 5. No longer shall your name be called Abraham, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. God is a maker of men. Verse number 6. Now hear this. It says, I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. So we see here, God calling our father 
Abraham into fruitfulness. Into fruitfulness. Into fruitfulness. And this was also echoed to his own son Isaac in Genesis 26 verses 1 to 4. Genesis 26 verses 1 to 4 where the Bible is telling us that there was a famine in the land. Besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines in Gerah. Now God speaking to him, he said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land of which I shall tell you. Now hear this. Verse number 3. Verse number 3. He said, Dwell in this land and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and your descendants I give all these lands. And I will perform the oath which I sow to you. Abraham, your father. Look at verse number 4. Now, here it is. He said, I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. And I will give to your descendants all these lands. And in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Somebody shout hallelujah. So, we see the promise and the calling of fruitfulness. Being passed down from Abraham to Isaac. And Isaac equally passed on that calling and blessing to his son, Jacob. In Genesis 28, verses 1 to 4. Genesis 28, I mean, Isaac is about to dispatch his son, Jacob, to Mesopotamia, also called Padan Aram or Haran. But in doing that, listen to what he said. Then Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said to him, You shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. Verse 2. Arise, go to pardon Aram to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and take yourself a wife from there of the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. Verse number 3. Now hear this. May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you that you may be an assembly of peoples an assembly of peoples look at verse number four and give you the blessing of abraham to you and your descendants with you that you may inherit the land in which you are a stranger which god gave to abraham we see here Isaac passing down the same calling of fruitfulness and multiplication to his son Jacob. And we come from that lineage. Is it making sense here? The Bible speaking in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 28. Galatians chapter 4 and verse number 28. It says there, now we brethren, as Isaac was our children of promise. If Abraham's was Isaac's father, then you and I, we are also the descendants of Abraham. That means the calling of fruitfulness and multiplication also applies to us. If you understand that, shout hallelujah. Now, when Jesus arrived, he told his disciples, I mean, he told in the Gospels that what I said to one, I said to all. And he spoke to those who were present with him that time in the physical in 
that John chapter 15 verse number 16 which you read earlier. We see there Jesus choosing and appointing the disciples just for one thing to bear fruits. Jesus chose and appointed the disciples to bear fruits. He said, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. And that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. Somebody shout hallelujah. If you appoint someone, you appoint someone to be an accountant. You expect them to discharge the duties of an accountant. Am I right here? And the Lord is saying that the disciple has been appointed to bear fruits. And what must the disciple do? He must go ahead to bear those fruits. And that calls for our understanding of what these fruits are. So let us look at dimensions of fruits that a believer is expected to bear. What are these fruits? I believe principally that God expects the believer to bear three cardinal fruits. God expects mainly three dimensions of fruits from his children. Number one, the fruit of godly character. The fruit of godly character. The fruit of godly character. Somebody shout godly character. And godly character has been summarized in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 to 23. That's where you see a summary of the character of God, which must be manifested in our lives. So bearing the fruit of godly character really means that we must allow the fruit of the Spirit to be fully matured and manifested in our lives and in our daily conduct. And the fruit of the Spirit has nine segments. It's one fruit but has nine components. And these are love. I don't have time to explain each one of these, but I wrote a book entitled The Holy Spirit. In that, you have a whole chapter about the fruit of the Spirit, where these are explained, and how you can actually cultivate these nine segments of the fruit of the Spirit in your own personal life. But suffice to say that the fruit of the Spirit is love. Number two, joy. Number three, peace. Number four, loving, long-suffering, actually, long-suffering. Number five, kindness. Number six, goodness. Number seven, faithfulness. Let's go to verse 23. Yes. Number eight, gentleness. And number nine, self-control. And the Bible says that against such there is no Lord. That is, you can manifest in these nine dimensions without limits. Is it making sense here? Somebody shout hallelujah. I said somebody shout hallelujah. The believer must be an express image of Christ. Mm. The believer must be an express image of Christ. 
The Bible says the believer is an open letter. That is, when people look at you, they must see the character of Christ. They must see the character of Christ. I said they must see the character of Christ. Mm. The believer is supposed to be an express image of Christ. An express image of Christ. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18. 2 Corinthians, the third chapter, and verse number 18. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. Here it is, into the same image. The image of God. The image of Christ. We are being transformed. Every day of your life, you must be transforming into the image of God. In character. He's talking about character. Not facial, physical, facial expressions. He's talking about the image of character. The image of character. The image of character. Somebody shout hallelujah. Because that is how God made us, isn't it? Genesis chapter 1. And verse number 26, let us make man in our image. It's talking about the nature of God, the conduct of the Lord, the character of Jehovah. Somebody shout hallelujah. The second dimension of fruit that I believe God expects the believer to bear, to produce, is the fruit of of service the fruit of service call it good works good works according to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 10 Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 10 the Bible says for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works we are born again for good works Created in Christ Jesus there means that you are born again and you are transformed into the image of Christ. And the Bible says that for good works. A life of service. Service number one in the house of God. Service in the house of God. In Exodus 23 and verse number 25. Exodus 23 and verse number 25, the Bible says, You shall serve the Lord your God. We have no choice in the matter, friends. We must serve the Lord our God. The Bible says, Always abounding in the work of the Lord. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 58. Yeah. It says, Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Every child of God must make him and herself available for the practical service of the ministry. For the practical service of the ministry. You must be involved in what the church is doing. You must be involved in what God is doing in his church and through his church. If you understand that, shout hallelujah. I said if you understand it, shout hallelujah. 
And there are many ways of rendering service in the house of God. You can do that through giving. Giving toward the work of the ministry. Giving. Giving of tithes. Giving of offerings. Giving of material resources to the work of the ministry. Hallelujah. You can also serve in the house of the Lord using your talents, skills, and abilities. Talents, skills, and abilities. Everyone is talented. Everyone is skilled in some way. The question you must ask yourself is, how can I employ my skills in the promotion of the work of God in this church? That is what it means to be a responsible Christian. A responsible Christian. A responsible Christian. You can also participate in the service of the house of the Lord by engaging in what we call kingdom promotion prayers. Kingdom promotion prayers. That is praying for the promotion of the work of God. Praying for the pastor and his team. Praying for your brothers and sisters in the church. Praying for the vision and the mandate of the ministry. Praying that the work of God will move forward. Praying that the gates of hell shall never prevail against the church that God is building even by his Christ. That is what we call kingdom promotion praying. You are praying not necessarily for your own personal promotion and marital settlement and the release of scholarships. Yes, there is a dimension of it. But we are talking in this case about praying for the promotion and the advancement of the work of the ministry. Never be self-centered or selfish in your praying. Always remember to pray for the work of God. Always remember to pray for the work of the ministry. I'm talking to you, shout hallelujah. I said shout hallelujah. You can also engage in the service of the house of the Lord by making yourself physically available to participate in the practical activities or carrying out of the programs and the events of the church. So, for example, if the church calls for a night of prayer, you make yourself physically available to participate in the praying business of the church. If the church calls for whatever activity it is, you make yourself physically available. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 6 and verse number 8, God speaking Isaiah chapter 6, and verse number 8, the Bible says, I heard the voice of the Lord. This is Isaiah. He is saying, the Lord said to him, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? That calls for practical involvement. Practical involvement in that which God wants to carry out. Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I. Send me. That is... I'm making myself physically available to undertake the assignment at hand. To undertake the assignment at hand. Mm. In Mark chapter, chapter 3, yes, Mark chapter 3, 
if we may start reading from verse number 13 going down to 15. Mark chapter 3. Verse number 13 going down to 15. And he went up on the mountain and called him to him those who, who himself wanted. And they came to him. Now look at this. Then he appointed twelve that they might be with him. And that he might send them out. You see, be available to be sent. Be available to be sent. Don't just be a Christian and a member of the church. Be a sendable material. Be a sendable material. Some of you, your attitude makes you not sendable. Good for nothing. Just adding to the number. That's not the will of God for you, my friend. Somebody shout hallelujah. And just merely coming to attend a church service is not the same as serving God. We are talking about serving God here, my friend. We must serve God, not just coming to church, not just registering for membership. No, sir. You must be involved in the work of the ministry. And I've just shown you how. We're talking about a life of service as part of fruit bearing. And number one, service in the house of God. In the house of God. Number two, service in your generation. Serving your generation. Good works. Good works. Rendered to your generation. Jesus is talking to his disciples in, in Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 to 16. He says, you are the light of the world. Yeah. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill, a city that is built on a hill, cannot be hidden. He says, you must be people of impact. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand. Nor they, do they light a lamp and, and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Verse 16. Let your light so shine before men <laughs> that they may see your good work. There is something that man must see from you. That is, you did not come into this world as a liability. You came as an asset. You did not come into this world as a burden. You came to be a blessing. I said you came to be a blessing. So there must be something coming from you for the benefit of man. For the benefit of men. So we are talking about living a life of impact. Every child of God must identify a specific area or areas where to impact his or her generation. Somebody tell your neighbor, I did not come to be a burden, I came to be a blessing. Some of you are not saying anything at all. Somebody shout hallelujah. I said somebody shout hallelujah. I said somebody shout hallelujah. Joseph impacted the land of Egypt through what? Leadership. That was his area of impact. Leadership. 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 Apostle Peter impacted his generation through church ministry. 
church minister, the preaching of the gospel, the working of signs, wonders, and miracles. What is your own area? Ask your neighbor for me. What is your area of impact? The Bible says that you possess a dimension of light that must shine before men. That must shine before men. Is it in the area of business? Is it in the area of business? Service in the house of God is universal. It's for everyone. But there's also service to mankind. Service to your generation. That must be defined properly by yourself. Under the leading and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. As to say, this is your area of placement in life. In as far as shining before men is concerned. There is a dimension of light you carry that you must reflect before men. It is for men to be impacted. It is for men to be touched. It is for men to benefit from that light. It is for men for, to benefit from that light. Somebody shout hallelujah. You remember John is talking about the arrival of Jesus. Isn't it? In John chapter 1, verses 1 to 5, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. Now hear this. It says, In him, meaning in Christ, was life, and the life was the light of man. The light of man. You possess light in you. That is the light of man. The light of man. That is, man must benefit from your shining. Man must benefit from your shining. Man must benefit from your shining. I decree this hour that you're not going to die a liability. In the name of Jesus. You're not going to die anybody's burden. In the name of Jesus Christ. Grace to identify your light and shine accordingly. Receive it in the name of Jesus Christ. Please, I'm talking to you. Can I hear a louder shout of amen there? Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Now, let's look at the third dimension. The third dimension of fruits that I believe every child of God must produce. Number three is the fruit of souls. And that is our mainstay in this discussion. The fruit of souls. And it is, I believe, the most important among the fruits that we must bear. I said this on authority. I said this on authority. The Bible speaking in Matthew chapter 18 and verse number 11. Matthew chapter 18 and verse number 11. The Bible says, For the Son of Man, talking about Jesus, has come to save that which was lost. That was his main agenda. Yes, I know that we are benefiting in several other ways from this agenda, but the main benefit is 
the salvation of souls. Well, there could be prosperity, dominion, good health, long life, promotions, but those are byproducts. The main one is your salvation. The salvation of your soul. And the salvation of the lost souls around you. And therefore, every child of God must make soul winning his or her main business and goal in life. You understand that? Shout hallelujah. I said shout hallelujah. Before Jesus left the stage, you remember the instruction he gave to his disciples. You see, everybody's last words on earth are very important. Am I right here? Yes. And I wouldn't be surprised that some of you are holding on to certain instructions that some of your departed beloved gave you. Yes. Said, no, 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 this is what they taught me. Yes. Some of them, they told you, please take care of my son. And that is why you are sponsoring that fellow. You don't have money. You have to borrow to pay fees because somebody said, please. When they were about to depart, they said, please take care of my son. Help me to take care of my son. And Jesus, in his very final stages here on earth, also gave the disciples instructions. In Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. Those are the very last words that Jesus spoke to his disciples, at least according to Matthew's account. Mm. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Look at this. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Look at the very last verse. Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. According to Matthew, these were the very last words of Jesus to his disciples. And Mark agrees with him, isn't it? Mark chapter 16, verses 15 to 20. Mark chapter 16, verses 15 to 20. What does he say there? He said to them, go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now here it is. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Verse number 17. And these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Verse 19. So then, after the Lord has spoken to them, he was received up into heaven. These were his last words. More or less what Matthew is telling us. And what did these gentlemen do? Verse number 20. Now here it is. Mark 16, 20. And after... The master had ascended into the heavens. They went out and preached everywhere. They carried out his very final instruction. Somebody shout hallelujah. And we, here we are as church and as the church and as children of God doing I don't know what. I don't know. Ask him, what are you doing? What are you doing? Honestly, what are we doing? 
as a church and as individual believers. What are we doing? We are busy for hunting, I mean busy hunting for breakthroughs, testimonies, good life at the expense of the gospel. At the expense of the need for us to compel people to come to the serving knowledge of Jesus. We are in trouble. We are in trouble. We are in trouble. Because our priorities are upside down. We are living in disobedience. Because we are not talking to anybody about Jesus. We are never talking to anyone about Jesus. We can talk to them about many things, but not about Jesus. That is a problem we have as modern day believers. But as for them, they went out. They went out. They went out. We must go out and talk to people about Jesus. In our workplaces, let us talk to people about Jesus. In our neighborhoods, let us talk to people about Jesus. And this message is not only going to the membership, it is also going to the pastors and heads of departments. Don't look at me, pastors and HODs, as if I'm talking to members and not to you. God is not looking for executives, he's looking for laborers. People who can do his bidding. Matthew chapter 9, you know the passage, verse 35 to 38. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 to 38. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them. Because they were weary and scattered. And this is true of the multitudes of our time. People are weary and they are scattered. People are confused. There is a lot of confusion in our communities. Among our people. And justifiably so. Because they don't have Jesus in their hands. Our generation can never be well unless we have more people receiving Jesus as Lord and personal Savior. This world will never be better unless we have more righteous people. And for us to have more righteous people, we need to have more and more people receiving Jesus as their Lord and personal Savior. And that is not going to happen by chance. We have to do it. We have to be involved. I said we have to be involved. I said we have to be involved. Let's read on here. Verse number 37. The Bible says that he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful. But here it is. The laborers are fit, not executives. So many of us are executive believers. Nobody wants to do the donkey work of going out on the streets and from house to house to talk to people about Jesus. 
The question many times is, me? Moving up and about in the heat of Lilongwe to do what? Come on. Don't you know who I am? Don't you know who I am? That I should be going up and about in the dusty roads of Lilongwe. To do what? When am I going to write my reports? When, when am I going to, wa to, to watch my favorite television program? When am I going to kiss my wife? You are telling me to go where? You are in trouble. You and your wife, you are in trouble. Tell your neighbor, we better do something for, for the kingdom of God. We better do something for the kingdom of God. Yes, it's true. We better do something for the kingdom of God. We better do something for the kingdom of God. Especially in the area of soul winning. And those of you who are responsible for announcements. Hey, don't just announce things here. You know you are not going to be available. Tell us to announce ourselves. Come on. You are just announcing you are never available. There's no dignity in that, isn't it? The primary protocol for fruit bearing is that each tree must bear fruits after its kind. The primary protocol of fruit bearing is that each tree must bear fruits after its kind. That is the law that was instituted in Genesis chapter 1, verses 11 to 12. Genesis chapter 1, verses 11 to 12. Then God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that you seed, and the fruit tree, hear this, that produces fruit according to its kind. According to its kind. According to his kind, according to his kind, each one of us must look for his or her kind to bring to Christ and to church. Is it making sense here? The Bible speaks, I mean, in, in the book of John, John chapter 1, if we may read from verse 42 going down to 50, we may not read the, all the verses. But I want us to see something there. The Bible says, and he brought him to Jesus. Now, okay, back up. Can we go to verse 40? Verse 40. John 1, verse 40. One of the two who held John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Verse 41. He first found his own brother, Simon. And said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. Verse 42. And he brought him to Jesus. So one found his brother. Everyone must find one of his kind. Of his kind. Ladies, invite your fellow ladies to the house of God. Why not? Why not? Men, invite your fellow men to the house of God. Invite them to Christ. Invite them to church. 
Young people, invite your fellow young people to, to Jesus and to church. Married people, invite your fellow married people to church. Single brothers and sisters, invite your fellow singles to church. Accountants, invite your fellow accountants to church. Lawyers, invite your fellow lawyers to the house of God. Bankers, invite your fellow bankers to the house of God. Is it making sense here? Everyone must produce fruit after his kind. 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 Why should every child of God bear fruits? Why should every child of God bear fruits? Number one, it is evidence that you are truly born again. Fruit bearing is evidence that you are truly born again. The Bible says that you are known to be a genuine Christian or not by your fruit. Matthew chapter 7 verse 20. You are known to be a genuine Christian or not by your fruit. Matthew chapter 7 verse number 20. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. Not by their talk. Not by their presence. But by their fruits, you will know them. If you are able to bring forth fellow believers like yourself to the Lord, then you are truly born again. If by your spiritual effort, others just like you are brought to the Lord and are discipled into solid believers like you, then you are truly born again. Born again. Born again. But if you have no new converts to show for your Christianity, then there must be something missing. You are not a genuine Christian. Merely being a member of a church doesn't prove that you are a genuine Christian. Is it making sense here? Merely being a member of a local church doesn't show that you are a genuine Christian. So we need to bear fruit, especially the fruit of souls, because it is evidence that we are truly born again. Number two, why must we bear fruits? Number two. It is evidence that you are spiritually healthy. It is evidence that you are spiritually healthy. Believers who don't win souls and raise others in the faith are not normal. They are sick. They have a spiritual sickness somewhere. Mm, I'll come again in case you didn't get it. I said, believers who don't win souls and raise others in the faith are not normal. They are sick. Can I tell you this? No married woman can just fail to give birth without a cause. When somebody is married and there are no children for seven years, it becomes a cause for concern. Am I right here? And should God not be concerned when you are not producing anybody after your kind? Some of you, every time you pray, Lord, give me this. God is saying, where is my fruit? Because 
maybe I'll show in the second service, not in this service, that there is a direct correlation between fruit bearing and answered prayers. You are praying, Oh Lord, say to me, my Ritalin. God says, where is my fruit? How many souls have you won to Christ this year? No soul has been won. And God says, no marital settlement. I know somebody may be saying, Pastor, it's not true. God is not that cruel. Okay. Then where is your marital settlement now? Come on. You must bear fruit for Jesus. You must bear fruit for Jesus because it signifies, it is evidence that you are spiritually healthy. Mm. When believers are unable to give birth and be fruitful in their spiritual lives, it is often because there is a disease in their Christian life. There is a disease. It could be sin. It could be fear. It could be shyness. It could be sometimes judgmental attitude. You condemn others uh, as perfect sinners that can never be forgiven. So you, you, you have no drive even to talk to them about anything. Because you have already concluded in your judgmental attitude that even if you spoke to them, they wouldn't listen. So let, let them die and perish in hell. Number three. Why should every believer bear fruits? Number three, it shows that you have overcome obstructions and distractions facing many believers. Fruit bearing is evidence that you have overcome obstructions and distractions facing many believers. Many believers are not effective in the service of the work of God because they have many obstructions, many distractions that they are not able to overcome. Many people fail, fail to bear fruit for God because they are obstructed and distracted by things like cares of this world, the sinfulness of riches, and desires for many things. Mark tells, tells us about that. Mark chapter 4, verse number 19. He talks about things that chalk the word of God in people's lives. Mark 4 and verse 19. The Bible says the cares of this world, that the sinfulness of riches, and the desires for other things entering in chalk the word. And the word becomes unfruitful. So unfruitfulness does not just happen. Unfruitfulness is a product of obstructions like cares of this world. The sinfulness of riches and desires for other things. Desires. Desires. I must go to America. I must go to UK. I must go to Japan. Desires. Somebody must marry me. By fire, by thunder, it must happen. You are not, there's nothing else that is important to you. You have too many concerns, too many cares. That is why so many people are sliding into depressions and suicidal thoughts. Life has no meaning. Come on, life has meaning, my friend. Don't leave yet. Because if you leave early, 
by committing suicide, you are going to hell earlier than expected. Somebody shout hallelujah. In Luke chapter 9, verse 57 to 62, speaks to us of the so many excuses that people have for not doing the things we are discussing this morning. And if you happen to begin to do them, it shows that you have overcome those excuses. You have overcome those obstructions. You have overcome those distractions. Now it happened. As they giant on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Then he said to another, Follow me. But the fellow said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. That is what is killing your drive for the things of God. I am willing to do it, but let me do this first. And if God is not first in your life, just know that you can never be first in his agenda. That is true, my friend. He said, let me first go. What was the re response? Verse number 60. Verse number 60. Jesus said, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and preach the kingdom of God. Verse 61. Mm. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you. But let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. In case... They go to the police to report me as missing. I need to let them know. Is it making sense here? <laughs> I need to let them know. I don't want them to be looking for me. No. And what did Jesus say? Verse 62. No one having put his hand on the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Can I tell you this? Many are children of God, but they are not fit. They, now, so many Christians have a fitness problem. I'm talking about spiritual fitness, my friend. Spiritual fitness. That is why you are not able to bear fruits for God. Because you are not fit. You are not fit. You are not fit. Ask your neighbor, fit or unfit? Can I caution us here? Listen to this. Work demands, academic pressures, challenges of bringing up children, if not properly handled, can make you unfruitful unto the Lord. It's a caution. And I want to read it out again. Work demands, academic pressures, Challenges of bringing up children, if not properly handled, can make you unfruitful in the house of the Lord. Some of you, 
just a little raise in your child's body temperature is reason enough not to appear in the house of the Lord. You even attracted the increase in temperature. Because when you woke up, the child was still asleep, you were like this. You are hunting for temperature increase. You are hunting for temperature increase. And when it came, you said, wow, I have found a reason for not appearing in church. You are in trouble. Because it shows that you don't love God. So many of us follow God, not for love, but for what he can do for us. That is why Peter was asked three times. Jesus asked Peter three times, boy, do you love me? In John 21, verses 15 to 17. John 21, verses 15 to 17. So, when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than this? Because he was to be the pillar of the church. Upon this rock I'll build my church. So being the head pastor of the church, now he had to prove his love for the master. And he had to prove that he loved Jesus more than the rest of the people who were not appointed senior pastors. So the issue was, do you love me? Not just that, but more than the rest. Otherwise, maybe I should appoint one of them to be the head of the church and not you. So can you prove? And the fellow said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Verse number 16. Simon, the second time Jesus said to him, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Verse number 17, now here it is. And he said to him the third time, the third time, the third time. You see, God can never entrust you with certain things unless you are tried and tested. Unless you are proven so. Unless you are proven trustworthy. And here it is. Here is the unfortunate reality. That so many of us have failed every time the test came. You have had so many receipts. Continue sitting. You have had so many what? So many receipts. Because every time the exam came, you failed. Every time the exam came, you failed. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because the master said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. If I don't love you, you know it. You know all things. And you know that I love you. You know that I love you. Jesus was already looking ahead because there were going to be a lot of persecutions. And if you don't love me, there is no, you will run away. Was, was it not Peter who, after Jesus died, he went back a fishing? He told the rest of the team, he said, I'm going back a fishing. 
That is why he had to prove this. Say, boy, do you really? Because there will, there will be mightier persecutions. And that is why, when you read your Bible, was it not Peter who said to the Jewish authorities that you must judge whether it is better for us to obey you rather than God? But we want you to know we will not stop preaching in the name of Jesus. Yes. Yes. That is why he tells us, he says, boy, we have not believed cunningly devised fables. We know exactly what we are talking about. When we talk to you about Jesus, we love him. And we are willing to die for him. Somebody shout hallelujah. I said somebody shout hallelujah. I said somebody shout hallelujah. There are many things we could have talked about, but there is no time at all. Because I want us to quickly look at requirements for fruit bearing. Requirements for fruit bearing. What are some of the keys that will help us to be productive for God? Number one, purging. Purging. P-U-R-G-I-N-G. Purging. John 15 verse 2. John 15 and verse number 2. The Bible says, now, this version of the Bible is using the word pruning. So you can also write pruning. It's the same word. Other versions will use the word purge. I think that should be King James Version. Let's see what King James Version is saying to us in John chapter 15 verse 2. Glory be to God. It says, every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purges. Have you seen purging? Purging. Or call it pruning. What is to purge or to prune? To prune is to cut off. To expel. To eject. To clear out. To dismiss. To discharge. It means to exclude. It's amazing what Jesus is teaching us there. If we can have the verse back. In the New King James Version. John 15 and verse number 2. He says, every branch that bears fruits. Jesus will prune that it may bear more fruit. So Jesus' way or strategy of helping you not just to be fruitful, but also to be more fruitful is to prune you. Is to prune you. That is, certain things in your life must be cut off. Certain things in your life must be expelled. Certain things in your life must be ejected, must be cleared out, must be dismissed, must be discharged, must be excluded from your life. In order for you to be fruitful. And the pruning process is always, please hear this. The pruning process is in all cases a painful process. So God is saying, to make you fruitful and more fruitful, he will take you through issues. He will take you through life's experiences. He will take you through events that will be aimed at taking certain things out of your life. 
everything that is excess must be taken out of your life so you can be sharp, you can be more effective, you can be more sensitive, and you can be more productive in his kingdom. And there should be no asking to say, in what way will God prune me? I don't know. I don't know. Probably God may use your wife to purge you of pride. To purge you of what? Pride. He may use your wife. Where your wife takes you on. Takes you on, yes. Or your husband takes you on. Why is my husband behaving like this? But in the process of that, God is trying to expel pride from you. Many men have learned humility by marriage. When the wife says, if you do this, ndukurula. And the man will be apologizing. Okay, 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 okay. Honey, I love you. I love you. Many men have learned humility by marriage. <laughs> somebody shout hallelujah. I say somebody shout hallelujah. God can use suffering. God can use crisis. God can use any kind of trouble to Get, get rid of pride and unwanted attitudes in your life. Yes. Yes. So what I'm saying is, I want you to surrender yourself to the pruning agenda of God for your effective service in the church. However and whatever God wants to do, and however he wants to do it, allow him to do it. And I told you that the pruning process is always painful. Certain delays you are experiencing is not the devil. It's part of his agenda. To teach you what? Patience. 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 That is why scriptures like Romans chapter 8 and verse number 28 are very important in the purging agenda of God. For we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, including never negative experiences of life, negative things of life, since they shall work together for the good of those who love God. That is, no matter what you may be going through, learn to love God in all situations and circumstances. Never say, why me? Never say, for how long? Never say, Lord, where are you? No. Learn to love God in all circumstances. Learn to love God in all circumstances. Because that seemingly negative experience you are going through is working something good for you. Maybe it is teaching you patience. I may not be preaching an appealing message, but it is an important message. It doesn't have to sound appealing for it to be important. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. This is Jesus talking. He says, 
Are you bearing fruits? I will prune you. I will allow you to go through issues. So that things excessive in your life can be taken out. And that way, you are going to be more fruitful. What do you do when you prayed and expected that God will do something and there was evidence in your spirit. You remember he bears witness with our spirit. There was evidence that it is a done deal and it never happened. It's now three years. What do you do? Do you give up? No, sir. No, sir. In everything, learn to give thanks to God. There must be good reasons why it hasn't taken place yet. Your prayer was very much answered. But the manifestation of the answer may take a bit longer because who knows, God may be dealing with certain issues in your life. And I can tell you that some of you, God is literally waiting for you to change before he can give you certain things. It's true. Because when the prodigal son was prematurely given his portion, he drifted away from his father's house. So our heavenly father may wish to wait until you garner the correct attitude that will help you to handle success as expected. I hope I'm talking to some people here. Hallelujah. Requirements for fruit bearing. Number two, purity. Number one is purging or pruning. Number two is purity. John chapter 15 and verse number 3. John chapter 15 and verse number 3. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. You are already clean. And please, children of God, understand the protocol here. God uses his word to clean us. Don't look for anything else. <laughs> God uses his word to purify the believer. To clean up or cleanse the believer. Don't look for anything else. And you can never be clean and pure before God if you don't have the habit of exposing yourself to the word of God. The Bible speaking in Psalm 119 and verse number 9. Psalm 119 and verse number 9 and 11. How can a young man cleanse his way? Says by taking heed according to your word. There is no cleansing. There is no purity without the word of God. In verse number 11. Your word have I hidden in my heart. That I might not sin against you. We don't sin against God when we hide his word in our hearts. Is it making sense here? It says, I have hidden your word in my heart. In so doing, you see, the objective is that I should not sin against you. If your heart is empty of the word of God, sinning is inevitable. Sinning is inevitable, my friend. Number three, quickly. And broken fellowship and walk with God. I'm showing you requirements for fruitfulness. And broken fellowship 
and walk with God. John chapter 15 verses 4 to 6. John chapter 15 verses 4 to 6. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Mm. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Bears much fruit. Without me you can do nothing. Verse number 6. Now hear this. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire. And they are burned. And broken fellowship. And walk with God. Yes. Living a life of prayer. Living a life of purity. Living a life of constant communion. That is embracing a lifestyle of praise, thanksgiving, and worship before God is what will guarantee continuous fruitfulness in your life. And that is what we are calling unbroken fellowship and walk with God. Mm. Number four, peace. Requirements for fruitfulness. The fourth one is peace. Maintenance of peace. It is a peaceful atmosphere that guarantees continuous fruitfulness. James chapter 3 and verse 18. James chapter 3, verse number 18. What does it say there? It says, now, the fruit of righteousness is sown in what? In peace. The fruit of righteousness. When there is no peace, there will be no fruit. You remember... How the Philistines quarreled with Isaac and his men over wells, his father's wells, that were filled up and they went redigging those wells. And every time they dug one, the Philistines came, they said, This is our well. And they grabbed it away from Isaac. And they did that a couple of times. But there was another well they dug in Genesis 26. And verse 22, now hear this. In Genesis 26 and verse 22. Now, when they dug this well, hear this. The Bible says that the Philistines did not quarrel over it. Have you seen that? There was peace when this well was dug. There was what? Peace. There were no quarrels. And so what happened? Isaac called the name of that well Rehoboth. Because he said, for now, the Lord has made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. There was no fruitfulness until quarreling ceased. Is it making sense here? That is why at all levels in the church, we must endeavor to make peace with ourselves. Is it making sense here? We must live peaceably with one another. With one another. In your home, make sure that peace prevails. In our various departments in the church, in our service units, and among us as leaders, pastors, HODs, and service group leaders, let us make sure that there's peace and unity among us. We can never be fruitful for God if we don't maintain peace. The Bible says we must make every effort to be at peace. We must make every effort. That is Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 14, if we can have it in the New International Version of the Bible. 
Yes. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 14. It says, make every effort to live in peace with everyone. And this should be the drive of every Christian in the church. If you bring disunity in the church, then you are not fit for purpose. You are not fit for purpose. You are not fit for purpose. Why should you be quarreling in your homes? Why should you be quarreling in your various service groups? No. No. And I hope you don't have anyone in this church you are not in talking terms with. I hope so. I hope so. I hope so. This culture of quarreling among Christians must be condemned and I condemn it. The Bible says the servant of the Lord must not quarrel. And here you are busy quarreling. You are not a servant of God. You are not a child of God. You are an embarrassment to God and his kingdom. Make every effort to live in peace. To live in peace. The Bible says with everyone. And everyone includes your wife. Everyone includes your parents. Everyone includes your uncle. Everyone includes your boss. Everyone includes that fellow who shouted at you last week. We must learn to forgive. I said we must learn to forgive. For the sake of peace, we must learn to forgive. We must learn to forbear one another. You will not see God in your life if you hold on to your respective positions of pride and unforgiveness. That is true. Unforgiveness is one of the major symptoms of what? Pride. Somebody shout hallelujah. That's a serious matter, isn't it? All right, rise on our feet. Let's give the Lord a shout of praise. I said, let us give the Lord a shout of praise. Let us give the Lord a shout of praise. Somebody lift your two hands. Lift your two hands and appreciate the Lord for the ministration of his word this morning. Lift your two hands and appreciate the Lord for the ministration of his word. Give him thanks, give him praise, give him glory. Makata ragadi di besete rigadi. Shakata ragadi di bosuta rigadi. Yakata ragade, makata ragade, makata ragade. Zakata ragade, makata ragade, 
name we have prayed. Hallelujah. I want us to know that God wants us highly successful. That is the truth. The Bible says, whatever he does shall prosper. Psalm 1 and verse number 3. Yeah. Whatever he does. Psalm 1 and verse number 3. His will is that our life. New King James Version, please. His will is that our lives must be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Yes. The Bible says, that brings forth fruit in its season. That, see, I like this. It says, that brings forth is fruit. There is a fruit that belongs to you. There is a testimony that belongs to you. There is a breakthrough that belongs to you. And don't be deceived. Life will not remain a struggle forever. Is it making sense? Maybe you are going through issues. You are going through seasons of pain. Seasons of affliction. Seasons of frustration. I want you to know that it will not be like that forever. In Psalm 30 and verse number 5, the Bible says, the last part of that verse, it says, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Yes. There is always a time and a season of joy for the children of God. Night never lasts forever. Is it making sense? And check in Genesis chapter 1. Every day began with darkness. Every day. Day 1. The Bible says, and there was evening and there was what? Morning. Morning. If you are in the season of darkness, things are not working. The next thing to expect is a turnaround. Yes, sir. The next thing to expect is change of levels. Change of levels. The God we serve is willing to give you multiple breakthroughs. It was Solomon who testified in 1 Kings chapter 5 and verse number 4. He said, but now. The Lord, my God, has given me rest on how many sides? On every side. That is signification of multiple breakthroughs. He is saying I'm not breaking through just in one aspect of life. No, sir. Expansion is to the left and to the right. Isaiah 54 and verse number 3. Expansion is to the left and to the right. Expansion is to the left or to the right and to the left. That is on every side. Good news translation of Isaiah 54 and verse number 3. Good news. You will extend your boundaries on how many sides? On all sides. That is what God has in store for you. That is what God intends for you. And that is what God is about to unleash upon your life right now. Right now. Right now. Right now. Anything that is a but, B-U-T, but, but in your life, in your life. You know, you are saying, God has given me a job. God has given me money. God has given me health. God has given me a car. But, I'm still waiting for this. That but 
We are about to knock it down in the name of Jesus. I said we are about to knock it down in the name of Jesus. I said we are about to knock it down in the name of Jesus. I want you to talk directly to God. <laughs> I want you to talk directly to God in the name of Jesus, of course. You'll be saying, Lord, I'm ready for multiple breakthroughs. And then you'll go ahead to mention the specific areas where you specifically need a breakthrough experience. Financially, maritally, concerning your health, concerning your business, concerning your workplace, whatever it is. Lift your voice, I'm giving you two minutes. How many are praying? Your praying must show that you know exactly what you're talking about. Your praying must show that you believe that you're not just trying. That you're not just trying. That you're not just trying. Shakata ragadi amakuta ragadi. Shakata ragadi rebo sata ragadi. Shakata ragadana baba suta rigadi. Yakata ragadi rebo suta rigadi. Yakata ragadana basata ragadi. Multiple breakthroughs. Multiple breakthroughs. Multiple breakthroughs. Multiple breakthroughs. Multiple breakthroughs. Shakata ragadere bosata ragadaya. Yakata ragadana basita ragadana ba. Yakata ragadi. Shakata ragadana bakata ragadana baga. Yakata ragadiri begeta ragata ragandere besia. Yakata ragadana basete regede. Yakata ragadana bakuta ragadere regede bosa ragata labadia. Shakala bandere regede bosa ragata ya. Yakata ragadana basata ragade. Chronicles chapter 12 and verse number 22. 
day by day, there came to David. There came to David. There came to David. Day by day. Day by day. Please put the version there that I use. Don't disturb me. New King James Version, please. For at that time, they came to David day by day to confuse him. No, sir. They came day by day to help him. They came day by day. These are divine connections. Divine connections. I decree this hour. May you be connected with your destiny helpers. In the name of Jesus. May the Lord God of heaven connect you with your destiny helpers. Destiny helpers in business. Destiny helpers in your career. Destiny helpers in business. Destiny helpers in your workplaces. Destiny helpers in your profession. In the name of Jesus. You remember the story of David? In 1 Samuel chapter 30 verses 1 to 20. How that when they were away, the enemies came to attack Ziklag. They are bored that time. And the enemies took away everyone who was, who was in there. Principally women and children and the property. And God spoke to him. He said, now hear this. Pursue. Overtake. And recover all. But you see, no prophecy will be fulfilled without connection with destiny helpers. And the Bible says that David pursued and right inside the bush, his men found a sick man. A young sick man who had been abandoned by the enemies of David who came to attack Ziklag. They abandoned him they left him for dead because they said, this fellow is going to drag us. Let's move on. And they left him behind. Not knowing they were placing strategically a destiny helper for David. Because prophecy had to be fulfilled. I don't know what prophecy you are carrying on your head. May the destiny partner that will facilitate the fulfillment of that prophecy be connected with you sooner than expected. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I said in the name of Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's always someone who knows where that which you are looking for is placed. I don't know whether you talk to some people about something and then all of a sudden they say, okay, wait, 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 stop, 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 stop. And then they make a phone call. I say, eh, are you there? Wow, yesterday was powerful, isn't it? <laughs> you mean you know someone who can deal with my situation? I said, okay, I have a friend here. Uh, can we come to see you just for two minutes? Because, and, and you see that your problem is settled. I decree this hour. May God connect you with your destiny helpers. In the mighty name of Jesus. Before this month expires, may God connect you with your destiny helpers, your destiny partners, 
in the mighty name of Jesus. I'm talking to you. Can I hear loud a shout of amen here? I release your marital breakthroughs, your financial breakthroughs, your workplace breakthroughs, your ministry breakthroughs, your parenting breakthroughs. In the mighty name of Jesus. God said, weeping men do it for a night. That means God does recognize the fact that there is what? Weeping. 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 But I decree this hour. For those that are mourning, those that are weeping. Because there is a struggle, there is a stagnation, there is a frustration. May God wipe away your tears. And do you know how God wipes away our tears? It's by giving us massive testimonies. Therefore, may God wipe away all your tears. May he give you a massive testimony. A massive financial testimony. A massive business testimony. A massive career testimony. A massive marital testimony. Receive it in the name of Jesus. Receive it in the name of Jesus. Receive it in the name of Jesus. Shakata ragadia bakata ragadi. Shakata ragadia I decree this hour. Anything that will tie you down, you want to move forward, but something is pulling you backwards. I decree this hour that yoke is broken, that yoke is dissolved, that yoke is dissolved. In the name of Jesus. I said in the name of Jesus. <laughs> you know, Jesus was about to have what we call the last supper with his apostles in Matthew 21, verses 1 to 3. Quickly, Matthew 21, verses 1 to 3. Now, he told his disciples that, look, uh, verse number 2, quickly. He said, go into the village opposite you and immediately you'll find a donkey, what? Tied. And they caught with her. So some parents, it's not only them that are tied, even their children. A donkey and a caught tied together. The devil is alive. So when you have a rope like that, you are tied maybe to a tree. If you want to move, it's like the length of that rope will limit how far you will go. Am I right here? Every form of satanic limitation around your finances, around your family, around your businesses, your careers, that yoke is broken in the name of Jesus. I said that rope is destroyed in the name of Jesus. That chain, that cord, that rope that the enemy is using to pull you backwards. You want to go forward? It is pulling you backwards. That rope is cut off. I said that rope is cut off. I said that rope is cut off. I said that rope is cut off. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I said in the name of Jesus. 
I tell you this? In Luke chapter 14, verse 5, you see, Jesus is asking some people <laughs> a question. He says, which of you, having a donkey or an ox that has fallen into a pit, will not immediately pull him out? Hallelujah. If you are in a pit, you must be pulled out immediately. Immediate. There are some of you whose lives are like in a pit. You can't see anything promising anywhere. It's like you are stuck in one place. You are in a pit. Come out in the name of Jesus. Come out of that pit. Come out of financial pits. Come out of marital pits. Come out of career pits. Come out of business pits. Come out of that limitation. 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 In that name of Jesus. You remember what the psalmist said in Psalm 40 verse 2. Psalm 40 verse 2. I called upon the Lord and I patiently waited for him. And then he says, he also brought me up. Out of a horrible pit. Out of the mire clay. And he set my feet. Upon a rock. Does your feet. I mean does your feet. Does your feet. Are standing in multiple breakthroughs. Does your feet. Are standing in favor. Are standing in success. Are standing in prosperity. Are standing in increase. Are standing in the high place. In the name of Jesus. He set my feet. Put the verse back there. He set my feet. Not my uncle, but God himself set my feet. Not my president, not my member of parliament, not my husband, not my wife, not my employer, not my neighbor, but the Lord himself set my feet, set my feet, set my feet upon a rock, upon a rock. Upon a rock, may God pick you and put you in success, in prosperity, in favor, in dominion, in increase, in fruitfulness, in the name of Jesus. I said in the name of Jesus. You see, in Habakkuk chapter 3. Verse 17 to 19, quickly, Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17 to 19. The Bible says, Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, nor oh, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there will be no herds in the stalls. Now hear this. It says, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord, I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. Why? Because I know, I know that the Lord is my strength. Is my strength. The Lord is my strength means that the Lord is my sustainer. The Lord will uphold me. I decree this hour. Whether the devil likes it or not, you will never be stranded. I said you will never be stranded. I said you will never be stranded. In the mighty name of Jesus. Put the verse back there. It says the Lord is my strength. 
Now hear this. It says, this God will make my feet like deer's feet and he will make me. God does not mock, God makes. I therefore announce this hour, every form of mockery against you is destroyed in the name of Jesus. Now hear this. This guy who is down in verse number 17 is saying I will rejoice in the God of my salvation because I know I have this revelation. I have this assurance. I have this evidence. I have this inner witness that this God will not leave me. This God will not mock me. Instead, he will make me walk on my high heels. You women are familiar with high-heeled shoes. High. Hallelujah. Life has got places we call high heels. High, high what? High heels. Today, occupy your high heels. Occupy your high heels. In business, occupy your high heels. In your career, occupy your high heels. In your family, occupy your high heels. In the name of Jesus. Is it making sense here? I release upon you new opportunities. New opportunities. New connections. New opportunities. New connections. New opportunities. In the name of Jesus. I said in the name of Jesus. I said in the name of Jesus. You believe it. Can I hear a loud shout of amen? Somebody begin to prophesy. I receive my multiple breakthroughs. My multiple breakthroughs. My multiple breakthroughs. I receive them. I receive them. I receive them. I receive them. Multiple breakthroughs. Financially, maritally, in career, in business, in my going out, in my coming in. Multiple breakthroughs. Multiple breakthroughs. Multiple breakthroughs. Multiple breakthroughs. Multiple. 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 Multiple breakthroughs. Multiple breakthroughs. Multiple breakthroughs. In the name of Jesus.
Hallelujah. Some two was it two Sundays ago? Oh, no, 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 maybe longer than that. Some time back, maybe some three, four weeks ago, I was in Blanta for their midweek service. And I prayed with a lady there. She wrote to give us a testimony. She said, You made a mass prayer for healing. I may not pray for you specifically, but as I'm praying like this, what belongs to you is being handed over to you. When you said a mass prayer of healing and some people testified, I had had a bad condition for a while since January 2023. This is a problem that resurfaced after a back injury that I sustained in 1998. Since January 2023, whenever I experienced pain in my back, the pain would reflect in the right leg and sometimes cause numbness. Things I could not do. I couldn't sit in one place for a long time. Driving continuously for two hours, that I couldn't do. I couldn't sit on a flat surface with my legs straight. I could not ride or drive on a bumpy road. I had a number of posture issues. I could not put on, uh, what do you call them? You know these things, I think women is high heeled, high heeled, uh, yeah, but she's giving a technical name for that here, which I cannot pronounce anyway. Don't take me to task. I, st stilettos, stilettos, she couldn't put on those ones. What are they? Uh -huh. She couldn't. My God. Now, listen to this. I stopped doing aerobics. What solution worked for me? I had been going for physiotherapy. Always sit on a cushion when driving so I could correct the posture. I have an extra back support for my chair in the office to make it ergonomically friendly. My God. I have a collapsible chair in my car at all times so that where there are no chairs and people are sitting on mats, I use it. And then the other one was to put on block heels, reasonably elevated. What happened and what has changed? When you said that prayer, I was still in pain and I did not feel any change immediately. Maybe you are in that kind of situation. They are saying, this pastor is talking about multiple breakthroughs. Where are they? Wait. 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 You will see them in your bank account. You will see them in your workplace. You will see them in your business. You will see them in your building projects. You will see them in your studies. You will see them in the lives of your children. In the name of Jesus. Hear me. I did not immediately feel any change. However, I believed. When I got home, hear this. When I got home, I realized that the pain was gone. <laughs> and hear me. She says, and the pain has been gone since then. Now, what am I able to do now? I no longer use my cushion in the car. 
hear this. I am restocking my shoe rack with four inch stilettos. And I, I already use them now. I am able to travel and drive long distances without no, with no pain at all. With no pain. Now hear this. Two days ago, I went, to, I went on a mountain hike. 45 minutes walk downhill. And then an hour going up. I did not require painkillers after that. Hear me. Hear me. I decree this hour. Anything that has been paining you. Physically, financially, maritally, in business, in house, in your workplace, in the lives of your children. I curse it in the name of Jesus. 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 My God. Listen. The Holy Spirit has just dropped a word in my spirit. He says, the door is finally open. The door is finally open. The door is finally open. That financial door is finally open. That marital door is finally open. That door of scholarship is finally open. That business door that will shut is finally open. Somebody shout seven times, I receive my open door. One. Two. Three. Four. Five. Six. And now seven.